Hey, everyone. <laughs> uh, this isn't just going to be an hour long of me laughing. Uh, welcome to episode 34. There was supposed to be another 34, but as I've uh, talked about on a podcast, I had something come up where I had to cancel the room last minute. I hate doing that. Um, but that gave us an opportunity to host one tonight titled Episode 34 versus Media Live Helter Stelter. You can guess what that's about. Yes, our favorite media watchdog is out at CNN. Uh, apparently, the entire staff has been laid off. The show has been canceled. And uh, I, I guess he's just done. Oliver Darcy will stay at CNN, I guess, take over Brian's newsletter, uh, which I think is interesting. I think that that's an interesting development. Um, will one of these days pontificate on Oliver Darcy's history and why that that is uh, supremely ironic, um, given his history in media coming from the blaze and campus reform, uh, where he, for some reason, got he, he was written a very big check and did a uh, very large 180 in his beliefs. Um, I'm going to kind of recap what I talked about in the podcast, because I'm sure not all of you have gotten a chance to listen to it yet. Um, I have a fun intro, a fun custom intro for that, so you should get over there and listen to that when you can. Uh, but just to kind of hit on some of the main points about Stelter, why why is Brian Stelter kind of universally loathed on, especially the political right, but I would even argue uh, journalists that try to call it even and try to be, you know, kind of down the middle. People like Barry Weiss don't like him. People like Body Asanger Unger don't like him. Um, even the Pod Pod Save America bros kind of don't like him. And I, I tried to kind of sum all that up on the podcast today is why the political right is somehow okay with things like MSNBC. I mean, we're not really okay with it, but we tolerate Maddow. We tolerate Chris Hayes and laugh when he's crying out the window into a sweater. Um, you know, we, we tolerate those things, but CNN is a unique animal as this is the network that pretends to be straight hard news, which is what they're trying to get back to. And there's almost no one in the, in all of national media on television or in print that takes the face off of a biased media than Brian Stelter when he sits there and kind of does his media ombudsman act and he defends all things media, except he also makes his career slamming Fox news. And he does it in a dishonest manner. And as I said uh, in my spectator piece today, which I said is the easiest 500 words I've ever written, I think, uh, Brian took the practice of media matters telling everyone what's happening on Fox News and kind of packaging and mainstreaming that. And as I said, it, it's always endlessly hilarious to me that you have someone who's telling people what's happening on the network that everyone's watching. And you have to understand uh, how media circles work to understand why they do that. That's Brian existing and Oliver Darcy Media Matters existing for fellow members of the media to tell them what's happening on Fox. Ultimately, that doesn't draw in large viewership uh, because there's only so many of them that can watch your television show and, and sit and point at Tucker Carlson. Well, we already know what Tucker Carlson's saying. He's the most watched person in the country. And so, obviously, CNN had had enough of this. Uh, I do think that there are some politics at work here, and I do think that this will come out probably in, like, a New York Times piece or a Washington Post piece or uh, kind of where Brian will sit down or anonymous sources will sit down and talk about what happened behind the scenes here. As soon as Jeff Zucker was shown the door at CNN, Brian's time was always on the clock. And that's mainly because Brian's role at CNN was not as a media reporter to inform you or me 
the happenings of, you know, what's going on in culture and media and stuff like that, as much as Brian existed to be a PR man for his boss, Jeff Zucker. Um, some of his greatest hits obviously include Michael Avenatti, pumping Michael Avenatti up to be a presidential candidate. Uh, I went into that a little bit on the podcast saying it, that was so funny to me that here he is saying he can take Michael Avenatti seriously because of how much he's on TV. Well, he was on TV a lot because Brian Stelter and his network put him on TV. I think it was something like 300, over 300 appearances between March and June of that year. And so that was obviously one of his greatest hits. The last one, uh, Molly Hemingway of the, of the Federalist reminded me of, was he was at this Chicago School of Politics and Media, whatever, this Atlantic Forum, where the students got up and asked some pretty bold questions of these people who are considered media elite. And when a student got up and specifically addressed Brian on how, how CNN covered the Steele dossier, Juicy Smollett, uh, Michael Avenatti's gang rape accusations, and Nicholas Sandman, Brian did not explain or apologize for any of that coverage. He didn't explain, hey, we got this wrong. We should have, maybe we should have been more judicious with the Steele dossier. Uh, Josie Smollett, we should have absolutely made sure that story was verified in that angle. Um, Michael Avenatti, obviously, we should have probably been more cautious with. And they said, obviously, Nicholas Sandman. So he could have taken that opportunity to really say, here are the biggest stories we've gotten wrong. Here's here's what we'll do better. Here's here's how we'll fix this. Here's what we'll do. Except that's not, again, Brian's gig. What did Brian respond with? He basically responded saying Fox News isn't covering their own dead cameraman. And that was really uh, Brian's last big hit. Uh, what's clear to me is, I think, based on reports, and I think it was John Nicuaza from Mediaite who has gotten all of this right, he said that uh, Discover, Time Warner, in this merger, we're going to get rid of CNN Plus. And a few weeks later, they did. He also was the one who said that um, Stelter and Acosta are on the chopping block. And it's only a matter of time. And that was a few weeks ago. And you kind of look at the stuff and you, uh, well, Stelter's gone. I think it's safe to say that's a pretty good track record. And Jim Acosta is going to be joining him uh, in the solar panel industry here pretty soon. Um. A lot of that is Jeff Zucker holdovers. And there was also a report from media that Stelter was kind of behind the scenes, rousing the rabble against Chris Lick's new model and kind of carrying on the Jeff Zucker legacy. And that just, to me, wasn't going to fly. Jeff Zucker had a very different interpretation of what cable news should be than what I think someone like Chris Lick maybe thinks it is. And the, the biggest scandal to me that Brian Stelter never addressed was when uh, he put in his he put in his newsletter newsletter, which uh, I'll get to that in a second as well, and then I'll let you Cowboys jump in with your own takes. But Brian Seltzer, the night before the report from Radar Online dropped about Jeff Zucker and Allison Golis's affair, as well as being behind the scenes of working Andrew Cuomo's press conferences, Brian Seltzer had in his post this said, quote, they post something nutty, they claim to have multiple sources, but they don't check with the subject at all, and they aren't swayed by reality. He said, ordinary users end up reading, sharing, and sometimes believing a lie without realizing the original story was garbage. Radar wins page views and loses nothing because it had no credibility to start with. Sad. Well, that was in his newsletter the night before the Radar Online story dropped, which turned out to be true. Jeff Zucker resigned, I think, the very next day over that story. 
So the question Brian Stelter was never asked or had to answer was, how did you know this story was coming? And who gave you the heads up on it? And this, to me, was the biggest evidence that Brian Stelter does not exist to be a journalist of any kind. He does not exist to find truth. He does not exist to uh, break down politics or media and, and help people understand things a little bit clearer. He exists to be a hatchet man for CNN, uh, the media at large, and primarily Jeff Zucker. Um, it's interesting, and that leads me more to believe, what did Brian Stelter know about Chris Cuomo and uh, Jeff Zucker's behind-the-scenes workings with Andrew Cuomo and feeding Andrew Cuomo's lines? It came out later, and I think from Rolling Stone, credit to Noah Shockman from Rolling Stone for this, that Zucker and Golist were effectively directing Andrew Cuomo's COVID conferences. And if you all remember, that was the big anti-Trump thing, was uh, Andrew Cuomo's COVID conferences were there as a breath of fresh air and sanity to counter Donald Trump's conferences. And then what we learned is that Jeff Zucker and Allison Golist, who worked for Andrew Cuomo uh, as a comms person, were effectively directing that on air. And to say that nobody in the building knew about that is a lie. And it's interesting that Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy somehow missed that story. That 36, uh, Rolling Stone got the story about 36 text messages and 36 employees in CNN were a, a team directing Andrew Cuomo. And so uh, Brian was always a media reporter when it came to reporting on what's happening on Fox News. But then when these stories happen under his nose, he exists to bury them. And the scandal at CNN with Andrew Cuomo uh, is one to me that I still think is pretty much unrivaled in the last year or two. It, it should be a major scandal that that was happening at CNN with the boss's knowledge. And it just wasn't. And Brian existed to help uh, mitigate that blast radius. Uh, I also argued on my podcast, to me, the Chris Cuomo firing, and the or the, rather the Andrew Cuomo resignation has had such a devastating blast area when you consider everyone who was sucked into it and everyone that did not come out of it, that included Chris Cuomo, uh, who's now been rehabilitated and he's over. I, I don't know what station he's on, but uh, I think it's Dan Abrams. That also included the head of CNN, Jeff Zucker. That included uh, his second in command and Allison Golist. When Jeff Zucker left, that included CNN plus. They just, CNN plus was kind of caught hanging out in the wind. Nobody knew what to do with it. So they shut it down. And I would argue Based on Brian Stelter's role at CNN and his loyalty to Jeff Zucker, Brian Stelter is now a casualty of that as well. Um, that's the good news. The good news is that his show is off television. He is no longer on television as one of the most shameless, if not the most shameless person in all of national media. Um, the bad news I have for you, <clears throat> people kind of dancing on his uh, Idaho grave today, is that people like Brian Stelter don't go away. They just continue to fail upward. And so I've made a couple of predictions, and we'll see if they come true. I'm pretty confident, and I'm not really working from any inside information here. I do have contacts in media, but uh, I, I have, trust me, I've been answering fucking DMs from Twitter all day. I have not stopped. Between my podcast and here, I had a chance to grab a mouthful of blueberries and two Red Bulls, and here I am. Um my prediction is he probably will not end up on television again for obvious reasons. I don't need to go into those um, because he just doesn't draw viewership. Um, the other obvious thing is that uh, he is very much well-respected 
in the journalistic community. They all read his newsletter about the, the goings-ons of you know what's happening at Fox and in media and whatever. Uh, that's an audience he can take with him, and I think he can monetize. And I think someone will want that audience. Someone will want him to bring a new newsletter. Uh, CNN is keeping his other one. But they're going to want to bring him over and monetize that audience that will follow. Um, I have a couple of predictions. The uh, David Carr column at the Washington, I'm sorry, the New York Times that he held for so long and was so respected in media and stuff like that. He's a pretty good writer. When he passed away, that column went to Ben Smith, formerly of BuzzFeed. But Ben Smith left the New York Times then to go open his own company. The rumor on one of those is that he was going to be forced to shell, sell his shares in BuzzFeed while staying employed at the Times. And he did not end up doing that. So the rumor, well, that's one of the rumors, is that he left to create his own company because he could then keep his stock shares. That would be fun. Um, so the New York Times has an opening for a media columnist and a pretty revered one at that. Uh, you know, it used to be cars and it was big to do. So similar to Margaret Sullivan. Margaret Sullivan has also now left her media column at the Washington Post. So there's two openings there. And Brian Stelter came from the New York Times. He, he went from the Baltimore Sun to the New York Times to NBC, and then he went from NBC to CNN. And I don't think he had a show at NBC. I think he was just a media reporter or whatever, like Entertainment Tonight bullshit. So my, my top prediction is Brian will end up at the New York Times. And uh, my second prediction, and I have a bet with someone on this, is that because of how much The Atlantic monetizes newsletters – they have several. They have Molly John Fast newsletter. They have uh, David French's newsletter. They have Tom Nichols newsletter. Uh, it's also a very good bet. He ends up at the Atlantic. And that another good bet is that he is also very good friends with Molly John Fast. And he's had uh, Tom Nichols and Jeffrey Goldberg on his show several times. So I think that that's a very good bet. I went with the New York Times, however. Um, my dark horse is he goes back to NBC where he's possibly offered a streaming show kind of along the lines of next to Jen Psaki, not as co-host. That wouldn't shock me given his interaction with Jen Psaki and how can we cover the Biden administration better? Um, but that's another prediction. He could end up at NBC. So as I've said, he's going to make a lot of money and especially he's going to make a lot of money off of like something like a newsletter. And so, while it's good that he's off of television and it's inevitably good for CNN, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm not here to, eh, I'm kind of here to destroy their companies, but I'm here because I want a better media. And that includes infotainment. It includes all of television, includes sitcoms. I just, I want a better media. And Brian Stelter was a cancer on our national media. And it's a good thing that he is gone. Uh, when I say that, I hope he ends up at the New York times, my advice for Brian, I don't think he's here listening, he should be, um, is that to just take off the stupid, honest news guy mask that you've been wearing your entire career that every single fucking one of us sees through. It's where most of our animosity comes from on the political right, is we know you're dishonest, we see you're dishonest, and when we call you on it, you're just like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and take this opportunity to now shed that, shed that skin, and just be what you are. Be a partisan rank media matters style reporter that thinks Tucker Carlson should go to jail and that Fox News is a terrorist organization. For the first time in your career, you have a chance now to be honest about what you are. And that's what you should take. 
And so if he does that, I'll just be like, hey, that's great. We always knew that. But at least you're now at the very much being honest with yourself professionally and you're being honest with your audience. Um, we'll see if he goes that route. So um, those are my kind of summation thoughts. He obviously has his greatest hits, which you can see in montages on Twitter. And obviously I opened one with my podcast. Um, but again, uh, this is to me a good decision by CNN. And Chris Licht has said he wants to take CNN in a hard news direction. And in order to do that, he needs to clean house and pretty much get rid of every single one of Jeff Zucker's hires and just start over. Um, so those are my summation thoughts. And I thought we would do this last. Um, we're going to go for about an hour. It's going to be a hard hour because I have plans. <laughs> uh, I have not stopped all day. I did two pieces. I did one on Stelter. I did another one coming to Examiner tomorrow on Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, obviously my, uh, my Twitter mentions are a dumpster fire. I recorded a podcast and now I am, uh, laying out uh, a call in for you fine people. So we'll go for pretty much, it's now it's six o'clock Eastern. We'll go for a pretty much a hard hour and I'm pretty much going to hang up on that hard hour. So I wanted to jump in early at the very least, uh, and get, get the introduction out of the way about what this is. So you guys now have a full hour to go off. I'm going to make a request. Uh, obviously, uh, if you're on the call line, just know that there's probably people behind you. So just kind of say your bit and be done with it. I'm the only one who gets to ramble here. Um, I'm going to make a, a strange request as someone who is on the political right, uh, who is painfully aware of all the stupid potato comparisons to Brian Stelter. I would ask that you don't use them or limit them. You can do that on your personal Twitter feeds and you can do that whenever. Um, I do this for a reason. One is people like Brian thrive off just those kind of petty comparisons and insults. And I get it. They're, they're fun. There's some are funny, some are memes and I get all, and I understand all that. Um, but Brian's genuinely someone who is bad for our media and he's worse for our country and he's bad for our media ecosystem. And there are legitimate criticisms of him as a supposed media figure. And when we jump in with the, uh, the potato chip bag jokes or whatever, uh, to me, it minimizes the damage that he does because he can just write all of that off. So because this will be a published podcast, uh, try to keep the potato shit to, to a minimum. <laughs> and I know it will be hard. Uh, we're try we're very professional in this, in this room, in this dojo. <clears throat> Anyway, I'm going to jump in right now. Uh, we're just going to start. I have nine people in the queue. Uh, for those of you, if this is your first time, uh, you're free to join in. This is obviously a live podcast. Anything goes. I don't, I don't pre-screen these. I don't know who's going to say what. Um, so feel free to jump in, say your piece. Uh, there's a microphone icon down at the bottom, which you can use to speak, and just make sure you unmute that. And like I said, um, I'll try to get through as many people as I can, but this is going to be a hard hour. So we'll just lift off. Brad, welcome to episode 34 of Helter Stelter. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I would like to just start with I am not here to gloat. Um, I, I don't take pleasure, particularly in a recession, in anyone losing their job. <laughs> So I start like to start with a somber note and say, from the depth of from the deep depths of my heart, good night, sweet prince. And I would also like to move on to 
you know, my mind instantly goes to what comes next. You already mentioned, you know, Acosta, that routine, be the next one out the door as CNN kind of ref- tries to reform or do do what they think is reforming into uh, at least pers- looking like a more uh, honest news network or a more legitimate news network. Um, I'm curious, the, the person I will truly reserve a lot of the schadenfreude that you've seen on Twitter today for is one uh, Mr. Jake Tapper. I'm curious to his uh, proximity to the Zucker orbit, if he might feel some fallout from that, because that's the one that I will uh, dance a little jig when uh, he hits the unemployment line, and it's all yours. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what we call, I love Luke Thompson came up with the name The Last Honest Man in Journalism act for Jake Tapper, which I think sums it up perfectly. I talked a little bit about Jake on the podcast. I think Jake survives this uh, because he puts on that affable, funny, serious newsman, you know, Edward R. Murrow face that CNN wants. I think he's pretty much the only big hire that does survive this. Remember Brianna Keelar, who started out kind of as a trying to do the down the middle reporter thing. Now she's the morning host and that morning show is reportedly also on the acts. And they're talking about, you know, putting in a panel, like a panel show, I guess, for the mornings. Um, she was a she was a Zucker hire. You obviously have Essie Cup was a, uh, a Zucker hire. Um, and I mean, I, I'm sure there's always going to be room at CNN for the uh, the good conservatives, as we've seen with Ana Navarro and now Alyssa Farah and Essie Cup. Um, so maybe those those people will all be sent packing unless they offer some you know, deep analysis into what the GOP is, except we know that they don't know anymore. Um, I do think if, if again, if all the reporting's accurate, I think Acosta is probably out the door. If, if he's not out the door, he certainly loses his Sunday show because that's always felt like an experiment. They moved Acosta from the White House briefing room, of course, when Joe Biden was elected, good timing, and they moved him to the anchor chair on a Sunday show, and I think he anchors for like four hours. And then except what you see on Twitter is it's just him dropping, you know, F-bombs or, you know, four-letter words to describe Tucker Carlson. And that gets Twitter engagement, but that doesn't bring in viewers. And so uh, I do think Acosta is probably at the least demoted, probably back to a, you know, a correspondent, maybe a foreign correspondent in Siberia. That sounds pretty good for someone like him. Maybe the extreme North, maybe he's a climate reporter at the North Pole. That would be a good job for him. Um but I do think Tapper probably survives it. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think Tapper's going anywhere unless he wants to. Uh, and I do think Tapper probably takes over that Sunday morning slot. And that's, that's the thing CNN doesn't really have. So you have Meet the Press on uh, NBC. Let's see if I can r- rattle these off. ABC is this week. CBS is Face the Nation. Obviously, you have Fox News Sunday now with Shannon Bream. And... Now you have CNN. I think they have uh, State of the Union, but that's a show that Tapper hosts all the week. Uh, another thing I would keep an eye out for is Chris Wallace takes over a Sunday morning slot because obviously there was a big to do with Chris Wallace jumping out of you know the Fox airplane without a parachute, landing at CNN Plus, and he, I don't even think he filmed an episode, maybe one, and then CNN Plus was gone, and he signed a contract, so they can either buy him out or. They can find something for him to do. And I think that possibly having Chris Wallace host the CNN Sunday show is probably going to be 
what they're going to do. And then you would still have Dana Bash do one or something. So I, I do think, I do think that there is a cleaning house of Jeff Zucker. And I do think that Brian Stelter was a daily reminder of what CNN was like under Jeff Zucker. And like I said, there were, you know, behind the scenes reports that Stelter was resisting a lot of the changes that CNN was doing on behalf of, you know, Jeff Zucker. He was still kind of being his mouthpiece and he was, you know, making the rate, the natives restless to the changes that Lick was bringing in. And I mean, one that works if you're Mike Wallace. Okay. That works if, you know, you are, you are the face of the network. You can make those demands. And if you have the ratings, like Tucker Carlson can probably make those kinds of demands at Fox. Um, you don't get to make those demands when you're barely pulling in 40,000 viewers a week. And so to me, it's what we'll probably hear more about is that Stelter was just not worth the headache and it's not worth the viewership. And so uh, with, with Tapper and I understand, and, and you know, Tapper lost me with the whole Parkland act, the despicable Parkland act. Um, and, uh, I know he lost a lot of people on the right. And I've said this to people in media, stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. Just because he asks a Democrat a hard question once in a while does not mean he's your fucking friend. Uh, I know, I know tappers like one of his lead leaking sources is Adam Schiff. And so Adam Schiff will get up in the middle of the committee, walk out and then leak an information to CNN and Zeke Tapper. And, and you see how like Tapper and CNN treat Adam Schiff. They treat him like he's just a normal dude. And it's like, no, this is like one of the highest ranking political Democrats in the country. And you treat him as a reliable source if I dare go there. Um, and so, yeah, I have no patience for Jake Tapper. I'd like to see Jake Tapper on the outs as well. Um, do I think that that's going to happen? No. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, I'd also like to note for uh, uh, Acosta to do his, uh, you know, obviously he would never do it with Biden, but Biden would also have to, I don't know, like show up to a press conference. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime this decade. Yeah, Biden's going back on vacation next week. This is crazy. Like there's no, this was another, this was another Stelter's greatest hit when he held up the calendar that we haven't seen Melania Trump in 10 days. She's missing. Don't you want to know why? And here we have a president who we ha he, we've seen him one time in the last three and a half weeks. And now he's going back on vacation for another week and a half. And they're completely uncurious as to what's going on. Like they need to hold up a fucking issue of the New York Times or the Washington Post just to prove he's alive. They, I'll let I'll let the White House comp shop pick. David, you're up. Do you have any uh, laments for our dearly departed Brian Stelter on this uh, on this somber occasion? Yes, it's so sad that he has to go out here during a middle of recession and find another job. However, I kind of disagree with you. I don't see him going back to the meet, going back into the media, into like the New York Times. Uh, maybe you're right. You probably know more than a lot of people about this. You you do, but there's a place that is really messy right now. And I'm just hope I just hope that we're all ready for White House press secretary Brian Selter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it. I mean, the the funny thing about this is we know that CNN got into a bidding war with uh, NBC for Jen Psaki. Um, you know, she was playing free agent while she was the White House press secretary. And again, this was one that just, I guess, went over everyone's head. I think she was asked twice about it. And she just said, oh, we're we're being ethical. Thank you. And they all just, you know, backed off because they all want to be on her fucking show. And so now 
CNN, here's, here's, here, here's something to think about. CNN now has a, has an opening and Corinne Jean-Pierre is, you know, a, his, a history making historical press secretary, our first, uh, African-American, uh, lesbian press secretary. And I think CNN's just sitting there waiting to roll the money truck up to her. Um, we knew that this deal with Saki was in the, was in the works for months before it was released. And so the second, like, Karine Jean-Pierre was made press secretary, I was just like, yep, CNN's going to roll the money truck up for her and say, hey, when you're done, you know, come, we got you. So, hey, they they could just change jobs. Um, I actually, I don't think Stelter would be a very good press secretary. Um, There's too much of, like, a Robert Gibbs, Sean Spicer thing about him. Um, It would be entertaining, you know, between him and Ducey uh, once in a while. Even uh, Jackie (laughs) Hendricks would be be pretty entertaining because they could just ask him, you know, why why do you just watch our show all the time? Like, what do you just do it? Like, turn turn off the TV and go touch some grass. You need the exercise. It's not uh it's it's not the craziest suggestion david yeah also i'm gonna i'll keep it short short and sweet i'm moving to florida from michigan it cost me all right hundred dollars to get a u-haul truck going back to florida it cost me about two thousand dollars why can't you just leave the truck <laughs> huh why can't you just leave the truck just, yeah just uh Moving front because there's a talking fee. There's no room. No places oh. have room in Florida. Yeah, for you know, there's lots uh, of swamps though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. And and you yeah. could just say, I don't know, man. I returned it. I don't know what you're talking about. You know. <laughs> so, or I mean, it is Florida, and they need they need the housing. Just keep the truck and charge rent. And use that rent to then yep. pay off the bill of the truck. You can make this work. I bet it's cheaper than driving it back, though. <laughs> so, well, yep. congrats. I know you've been talking about that in the last couple of times you called in. So, uh, congratulations on your move, finally. So, <laughs> All right. enjoy, Thank you. Well, welcome to DeSantis Stand, as now they're calling it uh, on the hard left over there. So, thanks, David. Yep. Town Moron. Give us give us your thoughts on uh, this this Irish funeral of Brian Stelter and CNN. Oh, he's there. You okay? Try to uh, try to use your speakerphone, not headphones or the receiver, because you're you're lit, but you're not coming through. Okay. Uh, more, I'm going to move on. Maybe just try to reload the app. Jump back up in the queue, and I'll bring you back up. You know. Oh, there he is. The All right, ten more. I'll just drop back. Just jump back into the queue. Can... <laughs> we'll bring him back up. Uh, I hate to I hate jettisoning people, but we're on a clock here. Pierce, go ahead. I know you didn't get in last time, so give us your give us your funeral thoughts on uh, Brian Stelter being counseled at CNN. Uh, additional work here. People that were being interviewed and seeing how they would do the crazier people on the right, less crazy people on the left, always rebut with a. Go on here. Got a couple. Pierce, try that again. Okay. Oh, did our tech did our tech just die? There you go. Go ahead, Pierce. There we go. All right. Hey, actually, I don't care about Brian. Stelter. It's li- it's live. There's there's it's live. There's going to be blood and casualties here. You know? I'll step over the parts. Uh, the dismemberment. Um. So yeah, I don't care about Brian Stelter so much or Stelter. 
and I was wondering with when it comes to Substack, do you get an option to produce multiple tiers there? Have you looked into that at all, or is it just going to be like a super flat kind of rate, like for free and paid? It's it's one. It would be it would be one flat rate because uh, I as I guess yeah, the cat's out of the bag that I've been talking with Substack, but it's it's one flat subscription rate. And they they recommended I start out at eight dollars a month. So okay. um, I'm I'm still I'm still playing around with that. Um, I was talking to Substack as kind of forming a relationship about them helping me move over from Patreon, and uh, we're still working on kind of that stuff. But I mean, if I can do it and not lose you know three hundred subscribers, then I'll probably I'm gonna do it. It's just a question of the logistics of also moving over all of my archive, which they said they can also help with. But no, it'd be just like, excuse me, it'd be like one flat subscription rate. Okay. Well, that's a bummer because I, I sat down and I spent an intense 10 minutes and came up with some tier ideas that I don't know if you have time, if you want to listen to this or if you want sure. to discuss me and move on. Sure. Why no. not? Okay. Go fast. I'll throw, I'll roll through these real fast. I'll just, I'll um, just say yes or no if I like it. Okay. Well, first off, uh, basic tier, and then get rid of the the dollar tier. Uh, you want me to get rid of the dollar free. dregs? Yeah. You want me to you want me to get rid of the dregs? Yep. Chain them together and push them into the ocean, right? Bunch of dead weight. Yeah, we use them as an anchor. Okay, that's right. Okay, I'll consider that. That that <clears> includes <throat> Glenn Greenwald. If we do that, we're going to lose Glenn. <laughs> Is that really a big loss? <laughs> Cheapskate. Uh, Glenn's husband is in the hospital, I guess, down in Brazil with a, with a, like an intestinal infection. So that's why he's kind of been AWOL. So of course, hoping he, hoping David recovers, but, um, I'll consider the, I'll consider, you know, getting rid of the $1 drags. I think that just gives you an opportunity to open up additional free content. Say, Hey, opening this one up free instead of feeling a little guilty about doing that. Um, Uh, I don't really feel guilty about it. I I, op- I open up the good ones for free when I think it's really good. So uh, I I might open up yesterday's on on Liz Cheney. I may open up today's on Stelter. Uh, I just yeah. generally do it once in a while, just when I'm like, yeah, this is this is one that's not going to get me killed. <laughs> um, next idea is the low level tier merch, and this is kind of like a junk merch tier uh, where you would I'd have like a versus media mug versus media T-shirt. Uh, I understand fanny packs are coming back in style. Yeah. It's like shoulder satchels. Yeah, uh, that's a that's... weird one. They're, no, they're also coming yeah. back in fannies. Uh, you, 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 see, you see the youth wearing them as fanny packs. But yeah, they are coming back like as like satchel chests. It's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about merch. Uh, I've, I've been talked about doing merch for a while. And, I, you know... I'm hesitant to do it because I think it cheapens the message, and that's kind of what I'm here for. Um, just just shit posting and and analysis. That's pretty much all I do this for. So you know, merch. If I could come up with some good ideas that don't look like it's capitalizing, I guess, then nah. I, I could do I could do merch. I don't know, but I've always been hesitant about it because I, I just I think it's tacky too, and you know I know. Uh, uh, everybody who does something like this does some kind of merch, and I, I kind of shy away from that. I'm just, yeah, it's kind of like the Kurt Cobain in me, I guess, where I'm just like, I don't know. So that one's probably a no still. Okay. Um, I did have high-level merch for maybe hockey jerseys or something. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> this was an interesting idea, the McAvee tier, where oh, okay, I'm listening. Antivirus and it's uh, versus media branded masks in the style that McAfee recommended. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I would I would probably have to get permission from Giannis to use his likeness. Um, sure. Or you know we could we could figure out something like that. But I I know the masks you're talking about. I miss him. I miss him so much. Um. So I think he's still on ice too in in a spin in the in a fucking morgue in Spain. So they need to figure that out. Um. Okay. So what would that what would we come in on that one? A hundred bucks. Sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll think about that. That's you, that's pretty solid. Or like. And you get a, and you get a pantyhose mask. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe if a subscriber was has been there for two years, five years, how many years? I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the inter. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I'll I'll think about that one, but probably no to merch. But if we can do the hundred dollar pantyhose mask tier, um, we can we can we might be able to work something out on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the uh, interview tier where you bring other people on and you talk about stuff. Aside from media coverage and politics, maybe uh, you could talk to movies. Uh, you talk to maybe Sonny Bunch about movies or someone else about music. Uh, yeah, people, I mean, uh, that you want to talk to, including like maybe throw the Rose McGowan interviews in those uh, tiers. Oh, I hope she's well. I, she dropped off. Yeah. She's she's living somewhere. Speaking of, she's living somewhere in South America now too. Uh, I've t- I've only touched base with her a couple of times. Just to make sure she's alive. Just say, hey, Rose, you alive? Yep, okay. Um, but yeah, she's like living in the jungles of South America now. So good for her. Yeah. Um, interviews are hard because, especially when I'm a one-man show, so that's one of the reasons I stopped doing them is because I have to, you know, organize them. I have to contact people to do it. I have to kind of do so. If, if I ever got to a point where I think if I had like a thousand more subbers, I would be able to hire someone to do all my monkey work for me. So, um, I don't know, Pierce, would you be able to do monkey work? I kind of write code already, so I don't Ooh, know. Okay. Maybe. So I'll keep you in mind for the monkey work. Um, Great. but yeah, I, I mean, it's hard because I want to be consistent and a lot of podcasts because they have the teams, they can have guests every week. And because I'm a one man show and generally despised by most people in media, it's hard for me to even consistently get guests. So, which yeah. I'd rather that be the case. And that's, so when I started calling too, they wanted to have me have guests. And I kind of just said, no, I said, you can go Glenn Greenwald show for that. Brianna Joyger show for that. Uh, I kind of look at social media as a platform for everybody. It levels the playing field. Um, and so that's why I do this format. I know it's not popular amongst everyone, but this format really does level the playing field. It shows that, Hey, I have 120 people here. They all have a unique voice. They all mostly have something to say, except Samuel. Um, and to me, that that's what makes social media what it is. It's a, it's a fucking army. And, it, and the more people you have, the more voices, not less. Thank you for that. Andrew Breitbart, uh, is more important to me. So it's like when I bring you guys in to talk, you know, sometimes it's interesting, sometimes it's not. This is kind of interesting. I don't know how interesting it is for the audience. Um, but it just, it, you really get a unique perspective. I, I hear from attorneys on the border in Texas. I hear from immigrants from Cuba and yeah. Florida. I hear from people who used to work NATSEC. And, and th- that's the stuff that I like doing. So I yeah. try not to do too many interviews for that reason. So parents with uh, single entrances at schools. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, great. yeah. That's still my favorite Topic. episode to this day. Cause you had every, every one of these smarmy ass guys in media, <sighs> like Tim Miller and Chris Hayes going here, here's my old preparatory college. How are you going to close this off? And <laughs> football fields. yeah, like what? 
And, uh, and then, you know, I brought on a call in episode and every single fucking person who picks their kids up from school goes, yeah, my school's already single entrance. And these, again, these smarmy asses at Media Matters in the Atlantic just sat here and scoffed at this. And it was the perfect episode. It was the perfect episode that people can point to and go, here's what, here's what they think. And here's what they think of you. And here's what it's like out in reality. And if you haven't listened to it, for those of you out there, you really should not because it's me. Well, sort of because it's me, but also every single person as a parent comes in and they describe picking their kid up from school. And it's already a concept that is apparently everywhere. It's, and so it was just kind of funny to me on that one. So that's kind of, um, that's, that's one of the reasons I enjoy doing this. So Pierce, do you have any grave dancing for Brian Stelter? Uh, no, I don't No, Okay. I don't. I did have additional tears, but it sounds like you want to move on. So I'm totally cool with that. I can, a little bit. We can do this in a part two. Yeah, we'll do this as a part two. On the next column, which I think is going to be tomorrow night, because I was supposed to do on Tuesday, come in Perfect. and we'll continue, we'll continue your tier ideas. Some are okay. You're, you're batting about 500 right now. That's, yeah, that's par for the course. Thanks a lot, Steven. Right. Thanks, Pierce. Uh, I'm bringing up Town Moron. We'll try this again. Go ahead, Town Moron. Sorry about that. I think it was just a tech issue. It was a, it's live media. Like I said, there's bodies. Go uh, ahead. No problem. Yeah. As soon as it said unmute, everything went quiet. So, uh, so it goes. Um, I was just going to say the one thing that to me was kind of a, uh, is a, is the one downside of losing Stelter or perhaps was the benefit of having him is, you know, it, it just, I was reflecting today on the first time I read Bias by Bernard Goldberg, which was, you know, maybe 2001 or 2002, and thinking about the, the, the evidence that he had to pull forward to show um, bias in media, you know, the fact that they would uh, interview the looniest person on the right they could find, and then immediately bring a a well-heeled, uh, credentialed person to rebut from the left. And at the time, that was sort of the evidence that that you had to go by of bias in media. And, and you know, from my own experience, I, I worked in local news um, in the early 2000s and saw the sort of stuff in the background, you know, you would see anti-Bush things put up in the various reporters' uh, cubicles, stuff like that. So, you know, the offices would have um, sometimes, yeah, I, I recall one one of the reporters had like Bush with a target on him, things like that, stuff that, you know, is just extremely pointed towards one side, but was accepted and nobody questioned it. And just virtually every reporter that I encountered at that time would have been on the left. And, you know, the advantage of someone like Stelter is, once it gets to the level of pure blatancy that uh, he was willing to put on display, just the utter shamelessness, you know, it makes a book like Bias sort of unnecessary. Instead, you just put up clips of Stelter doing his shtick and say, just, just, try, and, just try and rebut how this isn't as, as blatant and willful as it is. And especially when you see other people in the media then happily retweeting and spreading those same stories. So uh, those were my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why you've seen a shift in social media usage by reporters, especially over the last couple of years. And it, this is this is for for the giant you know sandbox hellscape that Twitter is. It's it no no other website or tool has done more to reveal kind of the agenda. Uh, to put it Michael Malice's words. Uh, the agenda bias that these people have. 
Uh, it's on display every single day. It's on display in retweets. Josh Dossey, who's an investigative reporter for the Washington Post yesterday, retweeted uh, this Fetterman campaign parody account, where it was uh, Dr. Oz went into Wegner's or whatever, whatever. So they're having fun with that. And they are loud, too. That was that was pretty cringy, although I would argue that what most people are going to pay attention to in that in that Oz thing is the price of fucking vegetables. Um, but Josh Dossie retweeted this account. And at the end of that tweet, it says, vote Fetterman. And I'm kind of like, what do you do in retweeting an account that says vote Fetterman? Like, did that not cross your mind that that makes you look really, you know, really, really bad? And so you see this on display, and Stelter is a perfect example of this in the content that they share, the content that they don't share, the way that they share it, who they share it with, who are they always retweeting, uh, who they claim to admire. Um, I had in my intro today in the podcast, Stelter uh, was one of the leading proponents of trying to rehabilitate Dan Rather. And that one to me is just mind-blowing. This is to me where you know he's dishonest. It's not stupidity. It's like if you had a show titled Reliable Sources, even if you're like a left-wing media matters guy, but let's say you're out here to try and give the media credibility because that's what Stelter did. He's out here just, you know, we're, we're giving the media credibility in a time when there's so much disinformation or whatever. And then he's, uh, he says in a segment, you know, truth is more important than ever. Let's go to our panel, Dan Rather. And the sheer like audacity to do something like that and not understand what the optics of that are. One, you're having Dan Rather on a fucking show titled Reliable Sources. That Just leave that right there where it is, okay? He doesn't have anyone, or maybe CNN did, that told him, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I know you respect him, and I know, I get it, this was a long time ago, and you think that Dan Rather is just the old wise sage, but this is a guy who tried to rig a presidential election, and he tried to do it with fake documents. And they think that enough time has passed where enough people are forgetting that except all you fucking people do now is talk about rigged elections. And then you're going to have Dan rather on your show titled reliable sources to pontificate about the dangers of Donald Trump. No, we're not buying that. And so I agree with you on that sense. And, and if you've noticed, um, most people who interact with journalists on a daily basis, notice now they turn notifications off. They don't, uh, Glenn Kessler has bragged about, you know, turning off notifications from any tweets that accounts he doesn't follow. And he says this really makes this really makes this website usable. And now they also turn off replies. Well, why are you doing that? Is, is it because you think that you're right and the 2000 people ratioing your ass are just crazy and wrong? And so Seltzer's kind of an expert at just shutting out the disagreements and the noise and just pretending like it doesn't exist. And in the meantime, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. He's just choosing not to hear it. Um, and so, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like it's good to have open, you know, journalists who are like this, who can show you that, holy shit, that this is, this is peak hackery. And again, this is why he's infinitely worse than say a Keith Olbermann or a Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson. We know these people are op-eds. You know, it's, I, I've never understood the CNN business model of basically having an entire department of reporters just bitch about the op-ed section of Fox News, which is primetime. Hannity, Ingram, Carlson, those are their, those, that's the op-ed page of, of Fox News. And uh, they, they sit there and then they act like Don Lamont and these guys are not op-eds. And that's always been the problem again with people like Seltzer and CNN is their willingness to defend that kind of hackery. 
So I, I, I agree with you that, you know, instead of having to go out and prove this, all you have to do is just run a clip and say, look at this shit. Um, but I also think that's the point to where the media is going to get back to. I think that they're trying to put this, you know, this stuff, especially CNN is trying to put whatever it is they release back into the box. And so it's not that we're going to become less agenda biased. It's not that we're going to become less biased. We're just going to show you less of that. And that really was kind of the media model throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s, until, you know, Bill Clinton was, you know, threatened to be impeached. And they all came out of the woodwork to destroy Monica Lewinsky. And that's when they were like, you're not impeaching him over a blowjob. Um, and so I do think that that is the effort at CNN. It's not that they're going to be harder news. It's not that they're going to be more down the line. It's that they're just going to try and hide it more. Well, you can't hide it when you have people like Chris Cuomo and Dalaman and Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter there. You just can't. And so that's why I think you're going to see a lot more heads roll in that line. Uh, well, thanks, Stephen. I, I had a couple other thoughts uh, cooking or, or maybe even boiling around in my head. Give me, but, give me uh, one but, more. But in favor, give of, me one more. In, in favor of everyone else, I'm, I'm going to mash those thoughts down. Okay. So, uh, uh, no worries. All right. So sorry again for uh, giving you the boot. I don't like kicking anyone out of my bar, but, you know. Andrew, do you have some uh, limitations for our dearly departed host of Reliable Sources? Not really. I really actually have a question. What is your favorite way to prepare a potato to eat? What's my what? Favorite way to prepare a potato oh, to Jesus, eat. Jesus, here we go. What is your favorite potato? Is it, are you fucking people trying to trap me in the mashed potato thing again? Because I'm No, not... actually, I, I prefer French fries altogether. What's your um, favorite type of French fry? My Let's favorite go. way My favorite way to do potatoes is I do, I do them two ways. I do like home fritz. I do like home fries. Um, basic breakfast food. I'm having a lot of them because, I'm, as I said, I'm personal training right now. And then I also just like – I like a basic uh, boil and then a little bit of a roast to have with a steak. Um, I do do a type of potato um, for special occasions where you get the kind of uh, – the semi-large, not the big, not the big large ones, but the semi-large red ones. And you boil them and then you roast them and then you basically just soak them in turmeric and chili flakes. And that's also that's also kind of a fun dish to do. And you just do it with olive oil and then a little bit of rosemary. So try that sometime. When I mean soak them in turmeric, I mean they look like fucking Trump. I mean they look orange. And people will just kind of just go, what the hell? How, how did you get potatoes this color? And you just – you don't give the secret away. Um, and then when you put – when you kind of drizzle the olive oil on it, it kind of makes it run a little bit. So it's um, – that's kind of my favorite special way to do potatoes. So I just gave you guys a secret recipe. Um, I, I took a ton of shit from my podcast guests because I, I, I do a Thanksgiving dinner every year and I, I cook everything pretty much from scratch short of killing the bird. And I left, I leave mashed potatoes off the menu or I just buy the microwavable ones. And this apparently caused, a giant rift on my podcast. Cause I'm just like, they're not worth the fucking time. I'm sorry. When I'm cooking and I got five things in front of me, I'm not going to be worrying about how to mash a potato. I can buy the garlic shit at the store, put it in the microwave. You wouldn't even know the difference. And this apparently was equivalent to, of a hate crime to my podcast audience. And so, uh, we're a little sensitive on the mashed potatoes topic. I just don't, I don't make mashed potatoes. It's not worth the effort to make the mashed potatoes. And I get people are snobby about this, but you're wrong. There's, it's not worth the fucking time. Just go to the store, 
by the store maid and nobody even like knows it. Even my niece even got on me about it. So I didn't, I wasn't including mashed potatoes on the, on the menu one year. And she was like, no mashed potatoes. And she's a teenager. She's a little shit. Um, so I literally just went to the store and I threw them in the microwave and I put them down and went, there are your mashed potatoes. So, um, I, I love them. It's not that I don't like mashed potatoes. It's like, I don't like making them. And I think it's a waste of time. Good, Stephen. It's very good that you're getting out this tension. It's good that you had that release of, you know, I, I, I just thought you were your, trolling your, me again. Oh, this. You, this was a, a weight on you. Yeah. We just needed to get that. I thought we put, there, so. yeah, I just I thought what, you were trolling me that, on yeah? this. And I thought we put this behind us. And so now no, no, I'm going to be dealing no, with a hundred comments about Brian Stelter's head, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Andrew, were you here for the intro? I was not actually here for the intro. I did not come <laughs> until 15 minutes. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm so, sorry. I, I was go back, uh, actually working out with my dick. So, working out. When, so I did not Andrew, when, get when on go, until. When you go back and listen to this, mm-hmm. there's going to be a scene. There's going to be a part where I caution the audience against potato jokes with Brian Stelter. And okay. I said, uh, I'm going to let you go because you're regular and that's fine. We're allowed to. Ha- I, I like the context. I think the context is okay. It's like asking what's your favorite potato vodka. I think that that's okay. But as I said, going around on Twitter, especially with kind of the, the blue checks and the pundits, when you focus on that aspect, and I get people just like making fun of Brian Stelter. He's, he's easy to make fun of. I get it. And he deserves it to a certain extent. But I always said there should be legitimate criticism over how bad he is for our media and for television and for you know just the country overall, the health of the country. This is a guy who put a doctor on his television who said Trump killed more people than Stalin and Hitler or some shit, right? Right. And he just sits there and lets it happen. He does not challenge these people. He just sits there and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's why this is a guy who, you know, questioned Trump's mental fitness more than anyone in, in media. And this is a guy who thinks that questioning why we haven't seen Joe Biden in three fucking weeks is just verboten. And that's the problem with him. So. Okay. I, that's, so that's when fair. people, so when, that's people when people like, and I'm not talking about Twitter randos, whatever, make all the jokes you want and the memes you want, but especially like when pundits on the right go there, like people like me, if you if you've ever seen me, I don't think I've ever once made a potato reference to Brian Stelter, and the reason is is because he can use that to just write off any criticism, and that's people like Brian do that. So it's like you, I could throw potato memes at him all fucking day. I, I could, you know, trust me, I could do it, um, but for someone like me to do that, I think delegitimatizes real criticism that should be levied against him. And I think that he's able to just write all that stuff off a little bit easier. So I I cautioned my audience not to delve too much into the potato stuff, but I don't mind the context. So, um, but yeah, you you opened up, you opened up a wound, Andrew. So, yeah. Uh, The one other thing. um, So are we going to just talk about the fact that Bush's, um, NSA director during 9-11 basically just said he thinks that we're, that most conservatives are worse than Al-Qaeda. <laughs> I've uh, seen this going just, around it today. Feels like, it's like, the, why, why it's are like, people outraged at this point? Why this are people who, like this Twitter? I understand it's important to show why the media is crazy, but you don't want to show the country that the highest level of the military and the secret service are this crazy too, and they hate you. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand that there's genuinely... And I, and I don't want to say – I'm not going to go into the deep state territory, but we saw this with Trump that there is a genuine intelligence apparatus who thinks it's their job to protect the country from a duly elected president. And that's not their job. Um, their job is to basically follow fucking orders. 
And if you don't like it, resign. And this is kind of where I've differed from, you know, people who went to the Atlantic or the Bulwark or stuff like that is they think that that's their job too. And as I've always said, I mean, this is our republic. It's a republic if you can keep it. And if we decide that we're going to vote into office a legitimate insane lunatic who two weeks in decides I'm tired of Britain's accents and just nukes them, we chose that. And we chose that path forward and we chose that humanity or lack thereof humanity. And that's on us to then learn and pass down to generations that, hey, maybe don't do that. Um, when you get an entire apparatus of unelected bureaucrats who decide that our job is to protect the country from the voters, um, you go to a very bad place and we're in that kind of place right now. Um, we just saw from Time Magazine today, you said, you know, the GOP disappeared Liz Cheney like Stalin. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, Liz Cheney was voted out of office in a very polite and uh, quiet way by private citizens. And those citizens felt for whatever reason she was not serving their needs. Now, they might vote in an insane lunatic and we'll either learn from that or we won't. Um, and that's kind of what I believe in, in, in the purest form of, you know, our republic, the people's republic. It's our job to make those decisions. It's not theirs. Their job is to follow orders or leave or quit. And if you do that, fine, great. Um, the, the idea of, you know, and I saw this bandied about in one of these Atlantic, you know, chin stroking threads was that it was, you know, it was good of Reagan and then also of Bush and especially W. Bush to basically lie to the GOP base because they knew that the base was a little crazy. And this is kind of what they're talking about. It's, and I thought, well, you know, lying to these people is how you ended up here. Did, did you not think that there would be repercussions for that kind of thing? Um, I, I don't fall quite that far off the deep end, um, but it is interesting to me, especially like how MSNBC has just been turned into like George W. Bush TV. Um, with Nicole Wallace and, uh, you know, Steve Schmitz all over there with his pineapples and the Lincoln dude and, and all of those people um, just like basically hang out at MSNBC all day now. Um, and, and that used to be kind of Keith Olbermann's network and Rachel Maddow's network. And I actually have a piece coming about that maybe next week now. Um, I got I had to jump in and write about Stelter. So I do think it's insane. But I guess the reason why I didn't comment on it much is because I'm not surprised by it. So why should anyone else be surprised by it? I just it was just the sort of like the sort of complete lack of of knowledge because you think you know you're an intelligence agency person you should understand how people would react or to maybe it don't. But yeah, this and this is we just talked about how you know Twitter's been really great at re just you know revealing motives of people. And we see, I mean, there's there's two industries, uh, three, that have really been, like, peeled back because of so, the use of social media. And you learn these people aren't that fucking bright. One is the intelligence community, two is journalists, and three is historians. And, um, you know, we saw this with Kevin Cruz, where these people just pop up out of the woodwork. And they, there's just, like, a new one every two weeks. And... Once you learn that and once you learn there are a lot of people who are politically and financially dependent on keeping Donald Trump the main character of American politics, you, you have a pretty clear head about how all of this works. Yeah, well, I'll let you get to the other guys so we, because we got such a quick time. But thank you for taking Thanks, my call. Thanks, Andrew. It's good to see you as always. Samuel, you got your wish. You got the Titanic intro today. Uh, I saw your comment. So, welcome. 
Thank you. I really appreciate it. Where are you driving and why is your window down? Uh, my window's actually not down. It's just very loud. Okay. Uh, what's on your mind? Please don't crash. Oh, I'll try not to. Um, I just wanted to contribute that I watched Vice last night because I subscribed to Comfortably Smug's take that it's actually a superhero film yeah. about how great uh, Dick Cheney is. Honey, and Honey Bunch's review kind of goes into that territory also. Yeah. I mean, it's just not as scathing. I mean, there are some legitimately laugh-out-loud funny moments. Um, it's either Dick Cheney shooting the guy in the face just completely randomly, or <laughs> when we're at the... We're, uh, uh, Bush 43 is acting drunk at a party, and yeah. then Dick turns... Well, him just being drunk is funny, but uh, Cheney turning to his wife and saying, I respect Reagan but no one's unleashed the full power of the American presidency. It's yeah. just like, I mean, it's like you're making this up. Like, like you're making this Yeah, the other part of that scene is where George, where George Bush walks up to change, George Herbert Bush, and they go, thank you, Mr. Vice President, for pushing, or he says, thank you for pushing that through. And they go, how are you? And he goes, oh, we think Jeb has a bright future. And I'm like, <laughs> What? Like, who the fuck? <laughs> like, like, it just jumps. And that's what I mean is I'm, a, I'm, gener, I'm generally a fan of Adam McKay's films. I, I'm obviously on the opposite end of political spectrum. Um, I don't care that he completely misrepresented the housing market in the big short. Like, you, the words uh, Housing Investment Act don't ever come into play in that entire movie about how uh, Bill's legislation essentially forced these banks to offer subprime loans. And that doesn't even come into the entire film, and I don't even care because I think it's so well paced and the acting's so well done, and you get the gist of what we're doing. Oh, I love that movie. Um, it's obviously great. Don't Look Up was just fucking hilarious to me. I couldn't stop laughing through that whole movie because it was just like reading a Salon article, which it turns out David Sirota was a writer on that, where all all Leonardo DiCaprio does is have panic attacks and medicate himself, and I'm like, yeah, that's every single. <laughs> That's every single one of these guys on Twitter is that's all they do. They just have panic attacks on their Twitter feed and medicate themselves. Um, but it's uh, interesting, and they said it kind of on the podcast that I, that's, I watched it to get kind of a thing of, for our media's newfound reverence for the Cheney family, which if you're if you're a youngin and you didn't live through the media cycles of the 2000s, this, this is just extraordinary to, to, to just watch this happen, to watch them just kind of suddenly deify the Cheney family. And there's so many funny scenes through that context in this film now where, you know, Lynn Cheney looks over at young Liz and says, Lizzie, whenever you have power, people will try to take it from you. Do you understand? And she's like, yeah. And so they're like setting her up to be the heir. And I'm like, yeah, that one's good. You have Lynn Cheney questioning election results. And it, 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 Sonny Bunch is comfortably absolutely right that it does not vilify him. I mean, the end speech where he says, do you want me to apologize? I'm not going to apologize for keeping you safe. That's not what I'm going to do. And uh, it's one of those where I think the acting together, there's no real plot. It's sort of like uh, Oliver Stone's W, where there's a bunch of vignettes. There's no coherent story, but there's a bunch of little sketches that they have to include into the movie and to make to show you who Dick Cheney was or whatever. And I, I think it veers too much while Christian Bale plays it almost dead serious. Uh, 
they, they still are not able to portray George W. Bush as anything other than a caricature, and that's a mistake that they continue to make. And they'll never they'll never portray George W. Bush honestly for who he is. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. I rec- it's on Netflix. For any of you who have Netflix, I would recommend go back and watch it if you've seen it, or if you haven't, watch it and watch it through the lens of how our media is now deifying the Cheney family. Now it will it it completely knocks you on your head. And this movie was only what three four years ago. Yeah, and I think I mean yeah, I think that's the point that I come back to is it was made in twenty eighteen, and. Like, I get you can't retcon history, but it's pretty hilarious watching, like, how they describe the conservative movement and everything. Like, how they're talking about taxes and energy and sucking up to mega corporations. And it's like, man, all that shit went out the window so quickly. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a completely different... Uh, it's, a different, it's a completely different battlefield than what it was, and especially it does look outdated. Like when you watch that and you, and you see the motivations of Cheney, you're like, "Wow, this is a different universe than where we were even five years ago." So, which of course the, the irony is the Cheneys learned that in the last week. Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Liz Cheney. <laughs> and the only thing I will say about Stelter is, okay, I actually did have a question now that I'm thinking about it. My question was, okay, so I know we're not supposed to make fun of how he looks. I get it. I get it. I'm fine if you do. I'm fine if you guys do. I just don't because it trivializes, you know, kind of the legitimate criticisms that I have to make. So you you guys can go Idaho spud away. I don't care. Well, my point is when they put him on the air, didn't they know that that was going to happen? And then they left him on the air. So it kind of comes down to why would, like, politics is Hollywood for ugly people. Like, that is obviously true. But even in politics, you tend to try to put semi-attractive people out on media, out on your, your politicians. You still don't want to stoop to the bottom of the ladder. It was pretty clear that Stelter was going to get made fun of. So, did they, like, just not care? Or did they want, like, the negative attention from the right uh, to boast him in some way? Like, I just don't both. get it. Both. I think Carol Markowitz is right. And, uh, and, and Samuel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang you up because I want to get to these last two guys. But thanks. Sounds good. Um, but uh, I think Carol Markowitz is right, is that Stelter eventually in CNN fed off the attention that they were getting on Twitter. And I do think that that, is a, that was at least the Jeff Zucker business model. And it certainly is with Acosta, who if it, it, the thing is, if you're glued to these things like I am, if you see Acosta's Twitter feed and then he retweets certain things, he'll like lift directly from a tweet that he's retweeted some quip about T- Carlson or Trump. And he'll say that on the air. Like he's he Costa might be the most like terminally online journalist who takes who takes what he sees on Twitter and just steals it and puts it into his scripts. Um, I, we, that's, he's done that every week, and I certainly think that they feed off the attention that the political right gives them. Um, I, I don't I don't doubt that. And so if if you've looked at me, I I haven't really had anything about Stelter in the last I don't know few months. 
um, which it was just funny today. Everyone's just DMing me this garbage, but um, I genuinely just kind of don't pay attention until he goes something does something completely fucking outrageous that just makes your you know your face want to melt. And he really, maybe he, maybe he tried to tone it down over the last couple of months, trying to save a show. We just saw, what was it, last week or two weeks ago, he called the Hunter Biden story a legitimate news story. And I was like, oh, he's definitely on his fucking way out now. Like, you don't, Brian Seltzer called the Hunter Biden laptop story a product of the right wing media machine. And that's when they, obviously, when they suspended the story on Twitter. And now, what, two years later? That's oh, a legitimate news story. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, he's definitely on the fucking outs. If he's, if he's actually willing to say that without willing to say why he got to that point from his previous position, okay, then something's definitely going on. And I was kind of like, dude, I, I, don't think that, I think this dude's losing his show because it looks to me like he's trying to forcefully balance out. And that's the other thing. That's how you know that Brian Stelter, where his politics are, and again, how the extreme hackery that he puts on display, that when he tried to suddenly be a balanced news person, he just couldn't do it with a straight face. Um, real fast before I, I'm going to take both of you, Craig and Jenny, I found an article a bunch of years ago, and I pointed a couple of journalists to it from the Baltimore Sun. They did a profile on Brian Stelter while he was kind of in high school. And he was going he was going through the parking lot flyering a right wing media company, whatever one it was. Uh, it wasn't Fox. It was the, the other one that owns all the stations and hands out the scripts. Someone's going to have to remind me of that one. Um, and he was flyering it and saying, I basically just wanted to show everyone how, how this evil media company exists. And I'm kind of like, how do you balance that? Um, how do you balance that with your attitude now has it changed and he basically wouldn't offer a comment for the story i think the daily caller picked it up um which they they do with a lot of my stuff but oh well so again when he tried to kind of balance out and force himself to suddenly say oh yeah no the hunter biden story is a legitimate story it was just kind of like no i think he's on his way out and of course he was uh, Craig, go ahead. We'll wrap up with Craig, and then we'll wrap up uh, this sausage fest with uh, some much needed female points of view. Oh, Jesus! The towering arrogance, the unjustifiably smug and pinched, bitter face of Stetler as he typed out that pitiful tweet about not charging his fucking phone. Sorry for the language, everyone. I don't mean to upset you <laughs> with uh, that, but um, yeah, see him doing that, and I hope his family was with him. Jeez, they were, Dad! Dad, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, God. To, to do that and, and think, okay, um, you know, just like someone else that had tweeted out about breaking up the microphone. Uh, I can't hear you. I, I don't want yeah. to talk right now. Oh, God. Jesus, this sucks. And, and you know, perfect. I, I, God, to be just a drone camera, to see him doing that would make my fucking day. And I, yeah, I mean, someone said, I, I liked, I think it was Smug's tweet who said, I guess you know we're in a recession now. And uh, one, of, one of his very <laughs> bad tweets from a few months ago was when we were on a supply chain shortage. And Brian Stelter tweets out the milk aisle of wherever he is and saying, oh, look at all the abundance of milk. And it's that kind of shit. It's that smuggery that people catch onto and they don't like. And he comes across that way. He doesn't really know how to hide that 
when it really comes out. And that's the kind of stuff, again, that blows my mind that as a professional journalist, if you're trying to put up the act of I'm straight shooting media ombudsman and not the hitman and the cleaner, um, why would why would you even do that? And that's what I mean. He knows he's a media matter style reporter. He knows he's a far leftist news person. And he should really just he should really own that. I think I called him Dark Stelter today. I think he, just, he just he just really needs to own Dark Stelter and just re- yeah just come full out and be like arrest 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 Tucker Carlson and charge and get Fox News off. I hope he just go he should just go chain himself to the News Corp headquarters in New York City and with a sign that says arrest them all because that's that's who he is that's what he wants to be. It's clear as day and now he's free to be that. Oh yeah, no no, no doubt. I mean, Jesus. And I appreciate your listeners, you know, the concern about the economy. You know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here barfing up 450 extra fucking dollars to party again. And, and let's worry about – no, no, listen, Brian's fine, okay? And, and I, I disagree with the fact that, yes, he's going to – you know, one of your listeners said, no, he's, he's going – no, he's going to be back. My concern is his avenue – what is he allowed to do? If he's going to be relegated to the New York Times, fucking fine. Go, go type some shit. I don't give a fuck. What's your subscribership right now? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Listen, if it, if it is a MSNBC slot behind or in front of, you know, uh, what's her name? Fuck it. Uh, Mad Al. Then you're just doing it all over again. You've got a shoot yeah. for the fuckers that are lying to you. Yeah, I think if, I think if he goes to the Atlantic, that's, he'll keep up the act. Uh, I think if he, if if he goes, I think if he ends up like at the New York times or if he ends up at like the New Yorker, I think the New Yorker is a possibility because, you know, they, Mm. they can do that little fat man drawing of him. Um, (laughs) I think that that's a possibility, but yeah, I think if he goes to the Atlantic, he'll keep up the act, but he won't be on television doing it. And I don't care then. Like he won't be on television, you know, acting like a dishonest asshole. He'll just be with the other dishonest assholes at the Atlantic, and I'm fine with that. So I'm, yeah, I'm with he's just—he's not. People, people like this in media just—they should go away. It should be like clearly nobody listens to you, nobody watch, watches you. You have kind of a healthy Twitter following, but that's good. But you should just fucking go do something else. Because, go write a book. Go be an author. Go be an author where you no, go, you know go you're not in the spotlight. So go go write books. On who you are. But they don't. Go do they some don't self reflection. That's what they need to do. They don't do that. They don't do any self reflection. Oh, wow, I'm really am just a piece of shit who yeah. shines shoes for liars. Yeah, they don't I mean do that, and they're they're rewarded for being garbage, and that is an indicator of a society that really needs to straighten up. And I'm not trying to, to be any kind of like moral. Whatever I've got my fucking mix or whatever, but listen, I, I don't bark lies about people who lie to you. you yeah, I mean that's um, that's always kind of been the biggest problem with them. Yeah, Craig, you and feeling wanna, okay? I, you feeling good I today? I, I'm about three bourbons in, and that's what I wanted to touch on. <laughs> All right, and you just just go completely off subject. Sure. What's in your cabinet? Are you still appreciating the brown water? Uh, right now, there is nothing in my cabinet because I'm oh. a personal trainer. Uh, I, I have, <laughs> I have a bottle. Right. I mean, here's what I'm going to say cautiously: I have a bottle of Screwball that isn't mine. So, oh, touch um, that shit. It's delicious. Yeah, it's 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 pretty. <laughs> every time you walk, Dangerous. every time you walk saw, by it, you're just like, yeah, eh, no, I, I but, saw uh, my no, I'm. Niece's- 
No, I saw my entire niece's fucking wedding party passing that shit around. I'm like, oh my god, this is not going to end well. Okay, yeah, it, I mean it's it's that. not it's not as proof. I think it's only like it's only seventy proof. It's only thirty five percent content. Um, but yeah, that it, you you can just down that shit like it's ice cream <laughs> syrup, and then all of a sudden you wake up on the floor. So well, let, me, let me tell you something. I don't know if you're a fan of this band. I am, obviously. Uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Yeah. They came out with a bourbon recently. And I'm not into gimmicky shit because the Flaming Lips have done it. Ellison Chains have done it. I don't know what they did because there's no, especially with the Flaming Lips. Jesus Christ. There's no telling what they put in that fucking thing. But um, they did their own bourbon recently. And I highly recommend you seek that out. The Flaming um, Lips bourbon? No, not that one. Not I'm saying that. Oh, the ones I you, want the, you, want me to, you want me to find the Black Rebel Motorcycle, the BRMC bourbon? Yeah, it's by Fiend okay. Bourbon. All right. And let me tell you something. It's interesting because it's done at a, um, a, a 101, and half of it is their few bourbon finished in rum cask, and the other half is finished in vermouth cask. And I thought that was interesting as shit. And the, here's the other thing. It's, it's uh, blended with a, uh, a smoked wheat whiskey. And this is the, one of the most unusual blends I've ever heard. And I was just like, okay, I'm not into gimmicky shit, you know, because it just, it just, it ends up being a disappointment usually. But this All is right. one of the rare ones where they actually, the band was involved and they were like, this is it. Here we go. So check it out, man. Uh, I'll have to, I'll check it out down the road when, uh, when I'm, when I'm done when killing bad, myself. When, when I'm done killing myself. <laughs> All right, Craig. Thanks, man. It's good to hear All from right, you. All right, brother. Cheers. I know. Bye. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, Jenny, bring us home. Uh, I'll let you go because I set a heart out. But um, go ahead and bring us home. Give us some. Give us. Give us some final thoughts on our dearly departed Brian Selter. I am calling for a moment of silence for the four people in America who considered Brian a reliable source, and I am predicting that Liz Cheney will bring him on to her campaign for president. As a press secretary. <laughs> this is the second time tonight we've heard Brian Seltzer for press secretary. One for Biden, one for Cheney. Um, I mean, maybe. Um, so the when, so people... here's my question. Was Brian Stelter a reliable source? Or did he just go to people who thought they were reliable sources? I know no person who watches Brian Stelter on television except who laugh, ridicule, and mock. So... Your guess is as good as mine. But it is a joyful day. I love to see him go. What a propagandist. What an evil tool. It's, it's time for him to, to just step off the world stage. Yeah, I, I don't think he, I, I, don't, I do not think he ends up back on television strictly because if you're a network looking to fill a news infotainment show, you're not going to go to the big fault bad guy with the Mickey Mouse voice who could barely draw 40,000 viewers. So you go, you you go to you know you go to the minor leagues, or you go to the you know you go to the draft. You go and find someone. So maybe I don't maybe. I don't think we're going to see him on our televisions again. Which to no. me is I'm fine with that. So like I said, go go write your books about Fox. Go you know go write for the New York Times. But uh, we, we I'm with you. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to see this or hear this person ever again in any live format. Yeah, well, maybe he gets in shape and does a Joe Rogan type 
you know, exercise <laughs> show or something. You never know. I can just picture Stelter going, I, I could become Joe. I could be the left Joe Rogan. That's, that's what I could do. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I don't know. So uh, Maybe a podcast, although I said that's probably not in the cards either. If he has someone around him that cares for him, um, I would be like, honey, no, you're not doing a podcast. Why not? It's, eh, it's just, no. What's wrong? No, 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 no. Do you listen to my voice? No, no, it's no, no. Honey, he should it's not come over. Me, he should right? come over yeah. to Substack. He should come over to Substack and compete with all the real journalists doing. Yeah, real he journalism. won't. But he won't do that because Brian. Brian is part of that like Nina Jankowicz faction that thinks Substack is a platform for extremists. That's who Brian is. That's uh, the, that's the group he fits in with, and that's why he's going to end up at the Atlantic or the New York Times. Yeah, the the reporting at Substack these days is just stellar. Yeah, which is why he hates it. Which is that his one of his last interviews was with Barry Weiss, and Barry just was kind of like, "Your whole industry is garbage." <laughs> and, I know. Even, I love and he does so that much. wrinkled face thing, like, huh? "You can't say that." And it's like, "No, you're you, no, she's right. Your whole industry is garbage." Which is why she's thriving, and Brian Selter is now out of a job. Yeah. Well, who do they get to replace him? Will they bring Liz Cheney on? No, <laughs> I don't think my prediction is I do think Cheney becomes a contributor, but I think she, it's probably with meet the press because that's who like her family reveres with Tim Russert and things like that. So I can, I can see her on meet the press. I, I said on my podcast and we're going to talk more about her tomorrow on the, cause I, I wanted these flipped, but I said on my podcast, it, if she truly believes that she needs to go out and stop Donald Trump, let's just say that, that she truly believes that. She has about one or two options on how to do that, and she and the people around her don't like any of them. So if she thinks that she's going to stop Donald Trump by going to meet the press or going to NBC where she can express her opinion, to me that has real OJ looking for the real killers on the golf course vibes. That's To me, I, just, I don't understand. You need to go and talk to the Trump's voters. That's right. And Rich Laurie all, said that. You need someone who can talk to Trump's voters and not be disgusted with them. And Liz Cheney has proven through her audience that the voters want don't want to hear from her. No. So if you're if your goal is to go to meet the press or CNN or whatever, you're just talking to the same people that already hate Trump's voters. So yeah. you need someone you you need someone who can speak to Trump's voters without disdain and she has proven she cannot do that. Yeah, the January 6th inquiry and the Mar-a-Lago raid just solidified his base like nothing else. Yeah, and the other, I mean, Liz Cheney is completely upfront and honest about her intent, which is she said, my goal is to stop Donald Trump from ever seeing the Oval Office again. And I thought, how do you think you can get away with a statement like that while you're a co-chair on a congressional committee that's investigating him? So you've now given up the pretense that this is a political committee when I don't think that it should be. I'm fine going through and, and going through what happened on January 6th with a fine tooth comb. But we know that that doesn't involve Muriel Bowser. We know that doesn't involve the National Guard. We know that doesn't involve why they're, you know, the Capitol Police were just kind of like, there's only like 12 of us here. What's going on? Um, yeah, Ray Epps. And that to me is the problem. So now you've, you've openly politicized the January 6th committee and you've poisoned it, which is what Robert Mueller didn't allow happen to his investigation. He didn't politicize it. He fired the guy that politicized it. And now, yeah, you'll probably see like Peter Strzok is in that sec advisor for Liz Cheney. 
So he, he is trending on Twitter today for some reason. I haven't oh, good. even gone to see why. But oh, that's good. I hope, it. I hope it's for that creepy gif that shouldn't yes. be in existence. So, yeah, well, we thanks uh, for taking my call. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad it could fit you in. Uh, we're probably going to do this tomorrow night and do more Liz Cheney. Sorry, folks, but we are going to do one of those. So thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. You too. Um, that Well, that's it. Uh, we're going to wrap up. I'm, I said it was going to be a hard out, but we're not. So thanks, everyone. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks to the people who jumped in the queue to call. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to do one of these tomorrow night, and that will be you guys can get all of your Liz Cheney thoughts and angst out or defense them. We welcome everybody here. Uh, but this has been uh, Requiem for a Stelter, episode uh, 34, Helter Stelter. And uh, this will be published here probably tomorrow a.m. So if you want to listen back on it and so forth. So once again, I'm Stephen O. Miller. This is Versus Media Live. You're not paying for this one. Uh, and I'll also be back on Patreon tomorrow where you will have to pay for it. So you can get me there or also on Twitter at Red Steez. Thanks, everyone. See you tomorrow. <laughs>